Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. I have to say that someone has already spoken with me about the choice of color of my tie this morning. And I, I, I still have a voice, but I, many of the folks around me at the game last night, I'm sure, do not have a voice to speak this morning. Pat Conroy, one of my favorite writers, 
said this, but there is no teacher more discriminating and transforming than loss. The great secret of athletics is that you can learn more from losing than winning. Though I'd like to learn a little less today. I don't know who you were pulling for last weekend in the World Series, the Dodgers or the Red Sox, or if you cared who won. I shared some reflections in my newsletter article this week, mentioned how Steve Pierce played in game five, hitting two home runs to ensure the Red Sox victory. He was named MVP, received the Willie Mays Most Valuable Trophy, and won a brand new Chevrolet truck. David Price was the winning pitcher for the Red Sox. He played lights out in game five, pitching seven innings, allowing only three hits and one home run. But have you noticed we don't say Steve Pierce won the World Series or David Price won the World Series? We say the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. There are days when other batters are hitting hot and pitchers are throwing strikes, outfielders making amazing catches, some stealing bases, the coaches choosing pitchers, leadership hiring, players, management, managing well, bat girls, water boys doing their jobs well. It takes a whole team to win and it takes a whole church to win for God. In 1 Corinthians 3, just a few chapters prior to when Paul calls Christians athletes, runners. And in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul takes up an issue about divisions among the members over loyalties to preachers. They're eating themselves up from within now, understanding after a big loss or a big win, we compare coaches who are winning or losing. Listen to what Paul hears. He has referred to what he hears happening, that some are loyal to a preacher named Apollos, who apparently is a very good preacher, and others are loyal to Paul, who has sacrificed himself working for that church. They have an either-or mindset when they should have a both-and attitude. It's as if one side is saying the pitcher won this game or the batter won this game. Paul says you're both wrong. Neither the pitcher nor the batter win the championship. It takes both. It takes the whole team. He uses a farming analogy as well. Some plant and some water. Paul says he planted and Apollos watered. Different jobs, but for one purpose. It takes everyone doing their part. In baseball, that's stealing bases, hitting the long ball, making amazing catches, throwing heaters. But we would not win with just one player or if a whole team was made up of pitchers. In the church, some are better at serving, some are better at giving, others better at speaking, some better at teaching, 
Some are better at singing, and some are better at praying. But every position in baseball must bat. And every position in the church must give. Deacons give, teachers give, ushers give, quilters give, singers give, servers give, worshipers give, prayers give, all give, though some are more able than others. The point is that if we are all playing for the same purpose, there is no position that's unimportant. Someone said, you're only as good as the best thing you have ever done. Perhaps it should go, you are only as good as the best your team has ever done. But we forget that no matter how good the preacher preaches or the singer sings or deacon server, audiovisual produces. Ultimately, it is our owner that makes it grow. How would it change our attitude to know that it isn't up to us individually, but it's up to God to bring the growth. And trusting what Paul said, that God grows the garden. But if our focus is on what player isn't playing well or how we might play better than they play, there is a problem from within. Think of those sitting in the bleachers. Last night I heard many criticizing. Some of those behind me would have made a hole to run through. They didn't put me in to tackle. We cheered last night. We cheer in a game. There are many of us who sit in the bleachers and we criticize those who are playing for not playing as well as what we'd want or how well we would play. But we didn't win or lose last night if we were sitting in the bleachers. We won or lost if we were in the game. When members of a team look only at others without asking, how am I doing? Well, that's a body attacking itself. What would happen if instead of instead of blaming growth or decline on each other, if we truly gave it to God, who is the grower. And we work together. Henry Ford, that American captain of industry and the founder of Ford Motor Company, put it this way. He says this about teamwork. Coming together is the beginning. Keeping together is progress. But working together is success. We come together once or twice a week. It's a good beginning. We join and keep coming. And if we do, it is progress. But when we work together, we have success. Babe Ruth put it in baseball terminology. He says the way a team plays as a whole determines its success. You may have the greatest bunch of individual stars in the world... But if they don't play together, the club won't be worth a dime. And Paul says the one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose. For we are God's servants working together. We are God's building. God is the builder. 
we have a common purpose. Whether we teach or usher or visit or quilt or cook or preach or pray, whatever we do, doing our part to win for God. You may think when you give to the church, you're giving to the church. But you are, but you're also giving through the church. If it all stops here, we aren't doing our job together as a team, our job of repairing the world, as our Jewish friends like to put it. A good portion of what we give does stay at home. It serves and feeds our community of faith. It includes staff, from pastors to custodians, and it matters deeply to their families that you give. It also includes our interns whose skills are changing our church and blessing our worship, our singing, the leadership, and getting the message out about the church. Our giving includes shaping the lives of children in ways that God will be a part of their lives forever. It includes blessing our hearts and sometimes breaking our hearts just enough about the state of the world's affairs. Sunday by Sunday, to keep us from living in a church bubble of privilege. This Sunday begins my third year at Broadmoor Baptist Church. In my two short years here, I have been blessed. My life has been changed. My family's life has been changed. How about you? How many of you that have been here for a while could say that this church has not blessed your life or changed your family. How many of you have been blessed and changed because of the ministry, the music here, the, the worship here, the fellowship, the pastoral care, the theological freedom, the spiritual depth, all things I hear from folks who love this church. I learned a new word this week. It's an African proverb, really. It's called Ubuntu. Maybe you know it. It means this, Ubuntu. I am because we are, and because we are, you are. Can any of you say this place has not blessed you and changed your family? And isn't that worthy of our financial giving that we want not just to survive, but to thrive, not to flounder, but to flourish. So much of our winning as a team depends on our commitment to giving and to working together. One person cannot win by himself or herself. Someone said, aspire not to be the best on the team, rather be the best for the team. Ralph Waldo Emerson writes, There is no limit to what can be accomplished if it doesn't matter who gets the credit. Amen. Isn't that what Paul is saying in verse 7? So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God. Only God gives the growth. Phil Jackson, legendary basketball coach, put it this way, good teams become great teams when members trust each other enough to surrender the one for the we. 
and Mother Teresa. She said, I can do things you cannot, and you can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. We win as a team for God, bringing what we can do, giving what we can give, working together as a church. Being part of a team can elevate us beyond our individual existence. It can transform us. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other, and though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Apostle Paul didn't have a team sport to draw from, but he used one down the road, an individual sport, running. Had he lived today, maybe he would have chosen baseball or football. He might have used baseball to to teach us that lesson, that coming together is a good beginning, that keeping together is progress, but working together is success. But isn't there teamwork in running the race as well? You may remember my friend Bill. I shared a little about him last week. Bill ran a marathon. He was at first out of shape, overweight, struggled even to run a mile. But he ran with me and with our third partner. Gradually, we ran a little farther and a little farther. First one mile, then three, then five. But Bill struggled through those. He kept falling behind, but eventually I quit, and our third partner quits, but Bill did not quit. He kept running. He wanted to run that marathon, 26.2 miles. I shared with you that Bill changed his diet. He changed his lifestyle, and he ran about every day. He increased the length of his run, run each time, but I didn't tell you that Bill was not alone. He had a new partner, and she had already run a marathon. She was an amazing athlete. She could easily beat Bill in a race. But he ran with her because he learned from her. Because she encouraged him along the way. She taught him how to run a marathon. Bill did not quit. And on the day of the marathon, she was there waiting for him at the finish line. And Bill won. You know, he didn't get a trophy or a medal for first place or second or third or fourth, fifth. But he won. He started. He trained. He ran with his partners. He got in the race. He practiced. He partnered. And in the end, Bill won. His goal was to win a marathon, not to win a trophy. Or a medal he could hold, as Paul puts it, an imperishable trophy. That's what he wanted. Author and speaker Anne Lamott finds this spiritual lesson in baseball. She writes, grace bats last. Grace bats last. 
We may not be the biggest, the richest, the fastest, or whatever, but as the saying goes, winners aren't those who never fall, but winners are those who, when they fall, get back up and keep going. After all, Jesus didn't define winning as coming in first place or as sitting in the best seats or being the richest or the strongest. Winning sometimes looks like losing. Sometimes it feels like small progress, just getting on base. It can look like last place. But those of faith know the Easter comes at last, that hope is that on the other side, God gives the growth. Grace bats last. We would say grace bats cleanup. The best hitter is always the fourth batter, right? You have to have the strongest batter at fourth. Assuming that the three ahead of that batter have gotten on base, have made a little progress. The cleanup steps to the plate and brings us home. No matter how badly we're beaten up, how badly we're down, if we've done our part at the plate, grace bats last. And folks, Grace always brings us home. The good news is that having given all we can and having worked together as a team where no one person gets the credit and no one person gets the blame, whether we bring home a tangible trophy for our mantle or numbers in the pew or in the budget, the good news is that the cleanup hitter whose swing of the bat can win the game, whose hands on that wood has already won every game for us that matters. Thank God. Grace bats last. Pray with me. This is not a game, O oh God, but we know to be true the hope of knowing you've already won the games that matter most. And you bring us home. Let us be partners with you in that hope to risk something large, giving our lives to your larger purpose, saying yes to serving, to giving that generous gift, by committing through this church, your church, to serve. In whatever way you're calling us, God, help us always say yes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I invite you this morning. Perhaps God is calling you to step out on faith and to say yes to something God's been calling you to, you're wrestling with.
to serving, to giving, to joining, whatever that is, let's say yes. Please stand. gathered to hear the words of Christ, we go to do the deeds of Christ. Just a look on the back of your bulletin, if you, if you would, I won't go through the announcements, but a reminder, we have a new choice for Wednesday night Bible study led by Janet Pace and Rusty Jabo. So take a look at that and be safe as you go. Let's go with this word of benediction. Go on your way rejoicing, surrounded as you are by such a great cloud of witnesses. Take courage as you face each new challenge, and comfort when you pick yourself from a fall. And whatever good you choose to do, precede it with hope, accompany it with prayer, and follow it with thanksgiving. The blessing of God most wonderful, whom the saints have trusted as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, will be with you now and forevermore. Amen.
Thank you for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. For more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook by searching for Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. We're on Twitter and Instagram as at Broadmoor underscore BC. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you on Sundays.